Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book at least 10 minutes at a time. Next 10 minutes, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 31. Man, I feel like we've read this passage before. There's there's two good reasons for that. Mm-hmm. The first is because we did this for Internet Church not okay, too long ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. What's the second reason? The second reason is I made a mistake. I made an oops. <laughs> Oopsies was, I didn't hit record on the audio recorder, so that's my bad. That's all right. Now we got it. So, Hebrews 10, 26, what hits you about this first passage if we go on sinning deliberately? I think the thing that has always stood out to me whenever I've read this passage in the past was this fear that if I screw up, maybe let's say after my baptism, then I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like there's this willingness to accept that, you know, God does forgive us. He's made, he's willing to make us clean. He's willing to kind of transform our lives. But from then moving forward, now it's on me. Mm-hmm. God made me clean. Now it's up to me to stay clean. And if I mess up, if I go on sinning deliberately, that's air quotes for those on the podcast, after receiving the knowledge of truth, then you're screwed. And it's always localizing sin as some sort of mistake. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's never localizing sin as lawlessness. Right. Which, which is super important because as we've kind of been on this journey together, that has been one of the major shifts. When we understand freedom from sin as freedom from messing up, freedom mm-hmm. from doing bad things or not doing good things, it's like yeah. ah, then we have a really uh, it, it's a very difficult thing to keep together because mm-hmm. that's actually not what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. But when it's talking about sin, not as individual acts mm-hmm. per se, mm-hmm. but as lawlessness, the condition mm-hmm. of your being, the condition mm-hmm. of your heart, mm-hmm. then things start to click in a little bit better. Yeah, because sinning deliberately is to give yourself permission to live according to the flesh, right? Yeah, yeah. it looks like the person, and this was never my story, but uh, it looks like the person who maybe uh, has promised God that they would never go to www.ishouldn'tbehere.com anymore in their whole life, and then they find, you know, after a long, stressful day, oh, goodness gracious, like, dang it, I'm here again. And rather than immediately be like, God, my bad confession, I repent, I'm coming back to where I am supposed to be, like I'm standing in my true identity as a child of God. Instead of doing that, 
it probably sounds something like, well, I already fell once. I'm going to give myself permission to get some more. These next 12 hours is whatever happens. Yeah, and that's a fundamental misunderstanding of the gospel. Even this language of, right, and and not to nitpick, but even this language of I'm going to come back, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Where is that? Where are you going to come back to? Right. Right? If If Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father and you're, life begins with him. Mm -hmm. If you have died with Christ and there's no longer you, but Christ that lives within you, if the Holy Spirit has made your body his home, and if the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory, where have you gone that Christ isn't? Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So then Mm -hmm. this metaphor of I'm going to come back is this metaphor that introduces, I think, a fundamental lie, which is the lie of distance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where... There is no distance between you and God. There is intimacy. Mm-hmm. There is actually, this This is the beautiful thing about the incarnation is that because Jesus was incarnated, now the Holy Spirit is in you, right? In the same way that Jesus was incarnated, he now has come through his Holy Spirit back into your body so that if you make that sort of mistake, what you're doing is resisting the very truth that you're alive in. Mm. Not so much that you're walking away from God, but that you're participating in a lie that goes contrary to who you are while God is with you. Yeah. And that's not a good recipe for for success. If you're willfully ignoring the reality that you're in, the things that God has done on your behalf, Mm -hmm. it would kind of be like the man in John chapter 9 who was healed from the condition of blindness, Mm -hmm. walking around saying, oh, I still can't see. Jesus Mm -hmm. has given him new eyes. Mm -hmm. He's transformed this very Mm -hmm. being. He's transformed Mm -hmm. this reality. Mm -hmm. It would be like that guy walking around with a blindfold on all day. That's right. If, If he walked around with a blindfold, he'd still have the eyes that see. Hmm. Right. So he doesn't actually separate himself from the eyes that see. He Hmm. still actually has them. He denies actively the truth of who he is. Mm -hmm. Why then do that? Because to do that, then you'd be like the Pharisees in John 9, Mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, we can see, we can see, we can see. But they're actually blind while thinking they could see. And right. then this is First John 1, 8, the person who says they have no sin. Oh, no, we don't need the blood of Christ. We have no sin. Oh, no, no, no. We can see. We don't need a greater revelation. Right? Mm-hmm. And so that if we localize sinning as merely action, we then minimize the revelation and we minimize uh, what we've been delivered from. Mm-hmm. And what I mean that we minimize the revelation is that we minimize... The revelation of truth that verse 26 talks about. Mm. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, what is the knowledge of truth? That sin has been dealt with in the person of Jesus. And now he's at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. He's given us the Holy Spirit to actually walk it out. Right. Because contextually, we think about the last couple of episodes. For Mm -hmm. us, it's been like a week since we last shot those three episodes. They're not in the immediate background of Uh my mind. But like if you think about what Hebrews 10 is all about, it's about this idea of one sacrifice making you good. It's this idea of you being sanctified, Mm -hmm. perfected even is the language Mm -hmm. of the text. And if we walk away from that truth... Mm -hmm. What else can he do for you? He's already emptied all of heaven's storehouses on your behalf. He's already given mm-hmm. everything that he possibly could. Mm-hmm. So if you willfully mm-hmm. ignore this, if you willfully go on in your lawlessness, mm-hmm. there's nothing else. And something I've noticed is that when you don't believe this for yourself, you can't believe it for others. Ah, uh, talk to me more about that. Well, we just had a recent, uh, you know, exchange with somebody, and this is an exchange that happens all too often. Yes. Where particularly where our friend Eddie and Jayla, when their stories presented, if anybody knows um, Eddie and Jayla's story is wild and crazy, but whenever that story is presented, there's always this caution for Jayla that mm. emerges, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Eddie's the worst, right? He he did such terrible things, and, and he, he did, and he did, right? And so um, he should get get 
everything that's coming to him, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And yet one of the things that came for him was um, the love of God through Jesus Christ who has transformed him. Mm-hmm. And now Jayla, Jayla, Jayla will say, I could not imagine being married to a better man. Mm-hmm. So who he used to be is no longer who he is. Why? Because mm-hmm. he received the revelation of truth and mm-hmm. he does not go on sinning deliberately anymore. Yeah. However, there are those who do not believe that Eddie is in fact uh, transformed. transformed. And rightfully so, because there are so many examples of people using language of Claimed transformation. Yep. and right. Mm-hmm. But what I have found, and this is just me, I don't know if you'd agree with this, what I have found is that in light of gospel freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from the power penalty and the double-mindedness of sin, the sort of integrity and purity by which we steward our lives, that language and that revelation emerges in the way you even actually talk mm. about mm-hmm. the gospel so that there are clues and signs as to see whether or not, right, mm-hmm. like somebody has really received it. Like, all right, now that notwithstanding, the point I'm making is that when you don't believe this for yourself, that you have, in fact, been transformed, that you have, in fact, received a righteousness that you could never conjure up on your own, that since this body has been sacrificed, that you are now perfected, Hebrews 10, 14, mm-hmm. that you are now made whole and sanctified, Hebrews 10, 10, and mm-hmm. again, 10, 14, right? And if you don't believe this for yourself, it's really hard to believe it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you see them through their mistakes because you haven't received the revelation that you have been seen separately from these things. And in not seeing yourself separately from these things, you're always trying to guard against making a mistake, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sinning deliberately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're too often quick to impute mistake making on the other's part as evidence that they might not be what the text says they are. Yeah, it, maybe it's maybe this is perhaps what uh, what was being described with spiritual things are spiritually discerned. If you have not encountered that type of radical transformation in your own life, and you haven't seen how dramatic that difference can be, I totally get that skepticism is 100%. the very the, the, is is the default. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it hasn't been true for me, this is the thinking of this person who's double minded. If it's not true for me, how in the world could it be possibly true for them? Because I've tried everything and it's not quite working. So how could it be so easy for them? And then I've seen it in others where others have claimed this too. Mm -hmm. And ultimately they end up turning. And I understand that. Hear me now. I understand that. I understand. I want to look at the camera. I understand that. I understand that. I understand that. And yet there's still a part of me that really, really hates Mm -hmm. (laughs) unbelief. Mm -hmm. And I hate unbelief. Because unbelief is so quick to position people according to the flesh and not the spirit. Mm. And that's why I hate it. Yeah. Because love believes all things. And love's be- love believes all things worth believing. Mm. Love believes all the things that are actually, in fact, things. Mm-hmm. Right? Love doesn't believe lies because they're not to be believed and they're not things to be believed. They're false realities. So when you see the truth of someone's transformation, when you see the truth of the gospel, love actually believes it. Hmm. And you believe it for yourself and you believe it for others. Unbelief and hard-heartedness inserts doubt into the fullness of it for you and in the fullness of others. And I hate that. Hmm. And I use hate intentionally. I hate unbelief. And so... 
Hebrews 10, 26. And this is me talking to fellow Christian sisters and brothers. Do not give room for unbelief, man. Mm. Like, live from truth. Receive this revelation. And the reason we don't go on sinning deliberately is because our hearts are no longer lawless. Mm-hmm. The promise of Hebrews 8 has been fulfilled in us. He's written his law in our hearts because he's written love in our hearts to actually know that we are loved and to move from love. Without that, there's just a fearful expectation of judgment. Mm. And I don't fear judgment because perfect love has cast out fear. Mm-hmm. So let's not give room for unbelief. Let's not give room for resistance. And let's not give room for human strategized suspicion. Mm. Believe. Believe all things. 